Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. So wise people tend to mind their tongue. They're, they're really mindful about what they say. They talk behind other people's backs constantly, but they talk about the right stuff. They'd say, have you seen how she's grown? Have you seen what the kind of guy he's turning into? They brag about people behind their backs all the time. Today is a bonus episode from interviews that I got to do with the Global Leadership Network, who puts on one of the largest leadership conferences in the world with hundreds of thousands of attendees across the globe. In this interview from February of 2019, I got to talk with the one and only Bob Goff. I love talking with him. The Global Leadership Network intro will tell you who he is in a second, so enjoy the show. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If you don't know what you need to work on as a leader, you know who does? Everybody else. The pathway to your greatest potential is straight through your greatest fear. If you want your team to stay relevant, lead your team into the unknown. Wouldn't it be great if we said the purpose of work is discover that which you love? We don't all have to have the same style. We don't all have to have the same goals. But with good values and a vision, everyone can be a leader. Welcome to the Global Leadership Summit podcast, where we provide fresh, actionable, and inspiring leadership content for leaders on the go. Thanks for joining us. Bob Goff is one of those people who seems to live many lives in one lifetime. He is a lawyer, diplomat, best-selling author, speaker, coach, founder of schools and war zones, and an advocate for living an authentic life of love. In this episode of the GLS podcast, Jason Jaggard, CEO of executive coaching firm Novus Global, interviews Bob Goff on how he practically leads with love. They explore the intentionality that allows Goff to live the full and beautiful life he has created for himself, illustrated with his signature humor and storytelling. Let's dive into their conversation. Here's Jason and Bob. All right, Bob, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. You bet. Great to be on. I just want to jump right in. I'm super thrilled to be talking to you. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a best-selling author. You start schools in war zones. You speak to people all over the world. You do workshops. Uh, conventional wisdom, I think, says that you're supposed to pick, like, one thing and be really good at it. And as I look at your life and your le leadership journey, at least from the outside, it looks like you found some way of, of doing lots of seemingly unrelated things really well. And I've, I'm just, I've always wanted to ask you, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you pull off all of these things that you do at such a high level? Yeah, you know, uh, thank you for saying that. But if you look behind the curtain at how the sausage was made, I just try lots of things. And the ones you hear about are the ones that worked. <laughs> <laughs> all the rest of the things just didn't work. We just don't spend time talking about it. But we don't try to exaggerate our victories. We don't lament the losses. We just keep it real, like keep where our feet are. And to say, where's there a uh, opportunity? And where does that match an ambition? And where your opportunities and the ambitions and your uh, capabilities meet, that's probably your next move. Does that make sense? It does. So you could have an ambition, like I want to be like a space shuttle pilot. Well, it ain't going to happen. I'm turning in 60 in a month. <laughs> so while that may be an ambition of mine, the opportunity isn't going to present itself. And I don't know if I'd be very capable at it. Uh, Yet, 
uh, I am a lawyer in a whole bunch of states. I'm like the rain man. I can like pass the bar exam in Chicago right now. It's crazy. <laughs> but while I have a capability being a lawyer, I don't have an ambition to do that. And so you don't just always go with where there's an opportunity or capability. In fact, some of us are kind of limited by our capabilities. We're actually just doing the stuff we're capable of doing. And because I'm kind of a Jesus guy, that the thing that I saw him saying to people is the following uh, him means to look at the things that he's interested in. And if that matches something that you're capable of, if that blows your hair back, if that's something that gets you out of bed in the morning, if it's something that doesn't just work, but actually might last, now we got a ball game. So when you uh, say that it seems like this working, it's because I've tried 20 things, three of them happened to match where there was a capability and opportunity and ambition, and then it seemed like it worked. So, and this is going to sound like maybe of a too pragmatic question, but I mean, how do you, how do you find the time or your team find the time to go after 20 things or do you just learn how to fail quickly? Yeah. Well, all the above, uh, but like for instance, uh, like I wrote to Gorbachev last week, um, and, and nobody wants to talk to him cause he's like the guy that isn't there. Take you four minutes. If you stop for coffee to get his address. Um, and what are the chances that he's going to write back and say made? I'm like one in a million, but remember from uh, dumb and dumber. So you're saying I have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so part of this is living in constant anticipation. I would say I'm just always like the resting position is kind of leaning forward saying, well, what, what if it actually happened? Oh, I knew I was going to be in London on May 14th for a thing Hillsong had. And so I wrote to the queen. <laughs> that address isn't hard to find either. I said, I'm going to be in London on the 14th. If you're in London on the 14th, I mean, we should hang out. And one of her ladies in waiting wrote back to me. I'm like, lady, what are you waiting for? <laughs> and she said, uh, the queen is so disappointed that she can't meet with you. I'm sure it just tore all up. But for a buck in postage, like I literally, I, I was living in anticipation. And I think the people that I've noticed that seem to have some of these opportunities take place in their lives is that they're just going after things yeah. all the time. What you need to do is sort out what's just uh, something that you're capable of from things that you're called to. And so this idea of uh, just capabilities versus calling. And I'm a guy that gets a lot of phone calls. My phone number is still in the back of 2 million books. <laughs> and I don't send people to voicemail. It's great. I can't get a thing done. But one of the things that I want to do, I put a high value on being available. And I don't think people follow vision. I think they follow availability. And so if you're available to other people, it'll keep your feet on the ground and make you uh, learn more because you're more interested in their stuff than your stuff. Uh, there's a great verse uh, that talks about Paul kind of talking behind Timothy's back in Philippians 2.20, and he says, there's nobody like Timothy. He takes a genuine interest in the people around him. Hmm. Don't you want to be that guy? Yeah. Like, I would say that's my ambition. I just want to be the guy that takes a genuine interest. Gorbachev, the queen, Billy, who's in junior high school, Sally, who's graduating and doesn't know what she wants to do, just be available to people. I'll tell you, that that will uh, end up being a wonderfully eclectic, beautiful life. Yeah. So then, how? I mean, I, I love that. And even a few things I'm hearing you say is the vision piece, but not even as important as the accessibility piece. And it's, I feel like almost now being busy is, is like a bragging right. You know, if you ask people how they're doing, they're going to say, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And you're one of the, probably the busiest people that I know. 
how do people, what, what would you suggest to our listeners as to how to begin becoming more available to people? I, I remember when I met Sweet Maria, man, I, I had all the time in the world to be around her. <laughs> I was in law school, I'm studying for the bar, but boy, I had time. <laughs> so you'll make time for the things that you want the most. And so part of it is getting clearer on what you want the most. Yeah. And so if you could ask yourself, what do you want? And then just run it through the sieve to say, is this something I'm just capable of? Is this something that's going to last? Is this something that are among the things that if faith is a big deal for you? Are these the things that Jesus talked about? I love that. I make up that that's a big part of your dream. Big uh, conferences or workshops is is helping people figure out what they want. I mean, whether a person can get to one of those events or not, are there any other things you might suggest to help a person begin to to listen to themselves and to figure out what they really long for? Well, one of the things that uh, you need to do is understand the way that you're wired. And f- uh, for example, for me, I'm a goalpost mover. Uh, when I couldn't get Maria to give me the time of day, I remember sitting in my Volkswagen bug and I'm pounding the steering wheel. <laughs> like I just want her to like me half as much as I like her because I liked her enough for both of us. <laughs> uh, and then she warmed up to me after a great long period of time. Uh, and then I said, I just want to have a house. Like we're married. And and then as soon as we got a house, then my prayer was, God, if I could just own my house, then like really these awesome things would be able to be possible. And as soon as I was almost ready to buy that house, like uh, pay it off, I bought a house that cost twice as much. <laughs> and I recycled the same prayer. I'm like, if I could just own my house. And then as soon as we were almost ready to pay that one off, you hear it coming. I'm like, we bought a house that cost twice as much. And I felt like, you know, I started praying those prayers again. Like, if I could just own my house, I felt like heaven was leaning over the rail saying, stop buying bigger houses. <laughs> So for some of you, if you're listening and you're a goalpost mover like me, I could just say, what would be something really beautiful and worthwhile? And then stop moving the goalposts. Um, But to just say, what I want to do is think less about career and more about character. Like, who is the man? Who is the woman that you want to turn into? When I look at you, I see, I I really admire you and I really enjoy the things that you're doing in the world and the heart that you do it with. I think I spent actually a lot of time thinking about what was Bob like in his 30s, his 40s, his 20s. Like, were you, did you just know that people didn't need advice, they needed hugs? Or how did you, how did you develop that kind of character to see people like that? I think it was from being around people that were better at loving people than I was. Um, so if you play tennis and you play with somebody that isn't any good, they'll catch you pop-ups. Every time you hit it over, they'll pop it up. And as soon as they pop it up, you'll pop it up on the way back. But if you play with somebody better than you, they'll hit it low over the net. And all you have to do is stick your racket out and it'll go back low over the net. Now, I don't know anything about tennis, but I do know a thing or two about how to love uh, people. And I've learned that from people who loved me when I was just uh, messed up. And and I think one of the things that I've realized about myself and that people around me is that we're all really insecure. We just express our insecurities in different ways. Like the more insecure I get, the more funny I get. Like literally, if I'm super insecure, I will just be the funniest guy. Um, But I realize, oh, that's just little Bobby Goff uh, being insecure. And some people get uh, insecure and they get mean, like mean like a rattlesnake. And so one of the things I've done is just realize that we're all insecure and that we just are each 
dealing with that in a different way. And if we could just chill out a little bit, instead of trying to correct everybody, just to, I remember there was a guy that was kind of in my grill about something a little while ago. I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, I'm insecure too. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of nice. It was just that moment. And we just like kind of chilled out. So um, if you know, if you have crystal clear about why you're doing what you're doing, if you just, if faith guides you as it does in my life, um, uh, that I, I'm moving in this direction and I mess up all the time. And if mess ups were push ups, I'd be totally ripped. <laughs> um, but I have this beautiful ambition for who I could be, the guy I could turn into. Um, and I believe that, uh, Jesus just sees who we're turning into. He knows we're insecure getting there. He just doesn't want us to do a bunch of damage to the other people he met. He made along the way. Yeah. That, um, and that's where that idea of loving difficult people comes in. Yeah. Like that, if you want a report card on your faith, find the people who creep you out and see how you loving them. Well, and even then, because I loved your book, Everyone Always, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to ask as a suggestion maybe for our listeners, because it seems like you do have an intentionality towards loving people who are difficult to love in your life. Is there is there almost like a one-two punch where there's like a find people who you admire and who are better at loving than you and get around them so that you have a reservoir in order to to be able to engage with people who are more difficult to love? I mean, because I feel like I hear both from you. Would that be valuable for our listeners to try? Yeah, I would find a couple really safe people to be around. Like, you know, like Switzerland, nobody's mad at them. They're not mad at anybody. (laughs) I would walk around with a bobsled and a bar of chocolate in my pocket. Um, But that idea of just being a safe place and then to find a couple safe people um, to surround yourself with, that idea of people that you can be uh, authentic with. You don't need to be able to plumb the depths with everybody, but it doesn't mean you can't plumb the depths with a couple people to say, actually, I'm feeling really lonely, which is actually one of the feelings that uh, I experience a bunch of times. And people don't guess that because mm. they see me and I'm bouncing around like Tigger. Um, but I can sometimes feel like I'm like the only guy in the room. Yeah. And, um, and so that it isn't depression. It's just feeling really isolated for some reason. I'm super engaged. I'm yeah. grateful to be there. But if we could get real with how we're feeling and self-aware enough, and then you could disclose that to a friend and you'll know they're Switzerland if they don't try to fix you. Hmm. If they don't say, well, you just, cause if it was easy as that, if it was easy as getting a puppy, I'd have one. Um, but to, to, just to say, wow, that's got a sting. Yeah. Um, and that, with those, find some people that just love you without an agenda. They're not trying to fix you. They're not trying to do anything but be with you. And if you had a couple of safe relationships like that, you could really launch into some that were a little bit uh, scarier, like uh, some that took some more energy. Yeah, that's great. And even just the idea of who are the Switzerlands in your life and then who are you being a Switzerland to, you know, to... to, to explore that in a safe space and to be really intentional. Like I haven't made an appointment in four and a half years. I just don't make appointments. When people call up and they say, can we meet next Tuesday at three? I'm like, Oh heck no. But like we could meet right now. Cause we're actually talking, <laughs> but what I'll do, I found I was spending so much time, um, uh, like making the appointment and figuring out where it'd be and then changing it and the traffic and all that. I just said, I'm out. So for your, if you're listening, just go to your boss and just announce, I don't do appointments anymore. You're welcome. (laughs) I just gave you a third of your life back. 
But you can find these beautiful guardrails that actually serve you because I wasn't finding that making these appointments were serving. So what I do is I just give people the arc. Like I'm in San Diego right now. I'll be in Phoenix tonight. Uh, I'll be in Nashville tomorrow. I'll be in Orlando after that. And so if you just tell people the arc, you don't have to work to, for NASA to know the trajectory. Hmm. And to just say, like, if you want to intersect that, that'd be terrific. I usually invite people to come somewhere I am a little bit before because then it's not like weird. Like I'm not going to go meet people different places, but I say like, we'll come to the wherever it is a little beforehand and we'll talk. Well, that goes back to the accessibility piece. That's a great, that's a great tip in terms of helping people understand your schedule and then finding ways of giving people permission to come into your life versus trying to always finagle everything. Yeah. And so you can find these beautiful guardrails that are, that serve you, that serve this life that you've got. You've been super intentional. Like I want to be available, but I will receive phone calls. I don't make phone calls because I don't know who I'm calling it. I, I don't want to be calling somebody. Uh, I don't have voicemail. Like uh, I just, cause I don't want to have like homework of like returning people's calls. And I deleted my text messages. I don't get text messages because I got these big sausage fingers and like just, re- I got 1000 text messages one day from the back of the book. I'm like, I'm out. (laughs) So you can, if you know, again, we're full circle back to know why you're doing what you're doing. And it's not being, uh, just, uh, smart because, uh, You can find smart people anywhere. They're a dime a dozen. I want to find wise people. Hmm. And so what I'm trying to do is surround myself with people who are really wise. And they say, hey, here are some things that have been working, and this is what it uh, looked like in my life. This is what it did for the relationships that are close to me. And then not just take a bunch of notes about that, but actually implement them. So if you're listening to this, for example, and then something we've talked about resonates, just say, do it. Put a flag in the sand and say, no more appointments or quit your job. Like a lot of people are a job or two behind who they've turned into, right? There's the, that's how it's supposed to work. We're new creations, right? And so your job may have been perfect three years ago or 30 years ago, but you've changed and like just delight in that. And a great idea is this, write your resignation letter and give it to your, whoever you're married to address it to your boss and to tell that person you love the most. If you ever see this job get in the way of my faith, if you see it get in the way of uh, our relationships that matter the most, just mail it in. You don't even need to tell me. I'll find out. (laughs) So that's living with this really intentional, it reads like reckless abandon, but what is actually somebody acting super intentionally. So you can be super intentional about why you do what you do. If you have clarity on that, then the people around you, you will see them blossom. And if they're withering a little bit, you need to not be going Mach 5 and have your hair on fire. You need to slow down enough so you can just check in with them. And that's how we do it. Like literally come in, get a moment with each person. Like really, really, um, how are you doing? And then we can just move on. And that's with your team, right? I mean, the... yeah. Because I know that you talk, and I love that line about how, you know, everyone wants to go to the far reaches of the world, but they won't go to the end of their street. And when, when I hear you talk about things like that, I think, what is, I'm assuming you could replace love your neighbor with love your team. The businessy way to ask this question is, Bob, what does leadership development look like for you with your team or how do you develop your team? But I don't even know if that's an interesting way of framing that question for you. Yeah. One of the things that comes to mind when you say, how do you develop a team? Uh, start with the people that you hire to work for you. And if you could tell people what you want, you don't need to tell them what to do. 
And so all the people that work for me, there's a team of about eight people. Uh, and I don't tell them uh, what to do. I tell them what I want and they know what to do. And there's something really beautiful in that. And so each of these, each of these people uh, here, what we get together is once a year and we say, is there something that I can do for you that would be helpful? What are you aiming for? I'll tell you an example. I worked, I had this law firm in Seattle for years and years. And there was a young guy that worked for me as a paralegal. His name was Aaron. And Aaron's big ambition, he wanted to be a lawyer, but he didn't have a couple hundred grand to spend on law school. And he didn't have three years. He had three kids and a wife. And so we went to the state bar. I've been teaching at Pepperdine Law School for a decade or more. And I said, hey, I've been teaching there. Could I teach him law school? And it was like I did this Jedi thing because they said yes. So we put the curriculum together. We taught him law school over the next four years, and he just passed the bar. Wow. <laughs> he looked as surprised as we were. <laughs> and we actually we made him give a valedictorian speech, and like, but he was also last in the class too. But there's something beautiful that'll happen if you pause with the people who work with you long enough to say, what's your big ambition? Mm -hmm. I know what mine is. I want to be a grandpa. Um, I want to be engaged with people. I want to be responsive. I want to be a, a person that helps you get to where you want to go and then drill down on that. And then when I've had some pretty low times in my life, I've just felt a little bit lonely or sad or some, I can tell people, a couple of people here that are just safe voices. And I don't go down that hole very often, like that idea of spelunking where you're kind of uh, investigating caves. But when you're down there, turn on the headlight. Like, it just look around, because you're not going to get there often. Yeah. Find a couple safe people you could mention that to, and then just have safe conversations. Speaking of your team, uh, one, obviously one of the things that are so wonderful about your books are these stories. And, and if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Bob's books, Love Does, and, and Everyone Always, they're, they're fantastic. And, and honestly, Bob, like you're, you're one of my patron saints of creativity and love. I, I, I reference oh, your, man, thank you. Yeah. I reference your books to my clients as ways of, uh, just inspirational musing on how to love people better. And one of the things I've always been curious about, I want to ask you for, for the people listening to this. I mean, in my mind, you're kind of like the ocean's 11 of whimsy. You, you know, you're like, <laughs> you know, you're, you don't, you don't steal things, you give things, but, but I make up that there, you know, there's a team and, and there's uh, a process. And when I read stories like, uh, and I, I may be getting a little bit of the facts wrong, but, uh, the one time when you, there was a group of people who were frustrated with you or a law firm that was angry at you and you bought them a box of baby chicks or something. Is that, am I saying that right? <laughs> <laughs> one time you bought a bunch of pizza for people or, you know, all the, and those are just the ones that we know about all these adventures. I've, I've always wanted to ask, is that a team sport as well? Do you, who came up with the baby chick idea? Was that you? Is that someone on your team? Is there brainstorming? Like what's the process by which all this stuff funnels into the world? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Super practical. What I'm doing is constant. I'm just curious about everything. Like literally just like people, I think that have uh, inspired me the most, the outstanding characteristic they have about themselves is that they're just curious about things. Did you know, to digress, we're moving through the universe right now at 25,000 miles an hour. If you ever had a day that you didn't feel like you got much done, I'm like, buddy, <laughs> you're making moves. So just that idea of being curious. And so when I read about the, the uh, Metzger Farms, I had all these little kids, so I ordered a couple dozen ducks for myself. And the cool 
cool part about it, they go through adolescence in like a week and a half and then fly away. Um, but one of the things that if you're curious about it, you'll make notes about these things. You go like, I don't know the right time, but I actually want to engage that in a relationship, in a whatever. So people that it comes across as super spontaneous, but it's actually somebody super planned. Yeah. Like somebody that's saying, I'm very, very intentional. I'm going to grab that. We're going to do that with our team. Yeah. So then what's your um, what's your process, Bob, for collecting that stuff? Do you capture things in Evernote? or? Oh, yeah, yeah. So what I have is uh, Word documents. And uh, what I've done is I bet I send myself 150 emails every day. <laughs> I literally, I get home. I'm like, him again, block. Um, but what I'll do is there'll be something somebody says or something I heard or something I want to loop back to. I haven't had a quiet time in 20 years. Mine are super loud. <laughs> so one of the things that I do is I take that Word document then and I take each of the topics, whether that falls under leadership or stress or uh, curiosity or ability or whatever. And this is very uncharacteristically OCD of me. I have 1.6 million words organized by topic. And so if I'm, uh, if it's a marriage retreat or something, I just go to the M's. Like this is everything I've ever thought about marriage. And it's a great place for me to kind of collect my thoughts too about uh, relationships or leadership or something else. What I don't do is write down what somebody else said because later I'll forget and think I thought that. And so I don't want to uh, go farming on somebody else's idea, but there might be something I'm thinking throughout the day. And so I want to write that down. I want to revisit it later. So I was with a friend that I hadn't seen in many years this morning, and he said a couple things, a couple that I agreed with and a couple I disagreed with, uh, but we were just friends. So we just had, you know, pass the waffles. And one of the things that I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to revisit some of those things and say, uh, why do I agree with it? Why do I disagree with it? So I get clarity for myself about uh, where I'm at on that. That's fantastic. And I don't know, you may already know this about you, but even as we're talking and we get into some of the nuts and bolts of this, you're you are really good at building systems to maximize your creativity. Has anyone ever told you that? Is that obvious to you? Well, I've just, I've stated differently. I'm super intentional. And one of the things that can happen is that it can start looking, um, it can be more important to us what our faith looks like uh, than what it actually is. And what I want to do is square up what it looks like and what it actually is. And part of that is just putting a latch on it. And so you and I can come up with some systems, some guardrails, some beautiful things. So you're just putting a latch on it. That's what I find these time in the morning of responding to people, checking things against scripture, know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. That's like putting a latch on it, sitting with a team member and saying, how's my life working for you? And a couple times I'll tell you, they've say, actually... Uh, your life isn't working for me. I say like, well, then let's talk about that. What is it that I could change that would make it work a little better? And there's usually some tears involved, but there's actually, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's and that sounds like, I mean, to me, that sounds a lot like wisdom, which is actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Uh, you mentioned wisdom earlier, and and I'm curious, what's your, you know, I'm a young leader, as I'm growing, how would you define, and, and you actually, you mentioned surrounding yourself with wise people and having that be a value for you. How would you define wisdom and how do you, for lack of a better phrase, discern or test for that as you build your teams or decide who you partner with or things like that? Yeah. I don't know if it's a, a kind of a scratch and sniff. Like you can tell when you've gone through some difficult times with people, you can see the responses. Um, are they taking a little bit longer view of what this is or just the immediate 
you know, are they caught up in the, the chaos of the moment or do they look towards the horizon? A little bit more wise people tend to look towards the horizon. They're actually present where they are. Uh, they aren't distracted. You can tell wisdom because their person doesn't have uh, you in the opposite chair and they're looking at their iPhone answering a text message. People who are wise are present because mm. they realize the value of present. And you and I can't decide how tall or short we're going to be, but we get to decide how present we're going to be with our people we work with, with our family. And so like wise people tend to be very present and they also tend to be super intentional. And we say, so why are you doing that? And they go like, I don't know. Like I would say like, that wouldn't be the hallmark of somebody wise. Now they may have some wisdom behind that, that they just haven't accessed yet. They actually do know they just haven't found the words, but to say like wise people will be people that know why they're doing what they're doing. That's, I, I love that. So like the, there's the, the presence and the intentionality. You put that together in a healthy way, and that's, that's not a bad de- working definition for wisdom, I don't think. Yeah, the words that they speak, they're actually kind of uh, wise about what they say and what they don't say. They're not like ready, shoot, aim when it comes to conversations. That they, but they don't feel like they need to be scripted. Wise people tend to mind their tongue. They're, they're really mindful about what they say. They talk behind other people's backs constantly, but they talk about the right stuff. They'd say, have you seen how she's grown? Have you seen what the kind of guy he's turning into? They brag about people behind their backs all the time. And then when something comes awkward, they just take a pass on it. They just change the subject. So one of the hallmarks of wise people is that they are surround themselves with these little prompts that remind them. I wear a Mickey Mouse watch all the time. Have you ever walked into a room and felt like you're the only guy smiling? <laughs> Sometimes I look at that. I'm like, all right, Mickey, it's me and you, buddy. Like, <laughs> and so if you just know why I have no left pockets in any of my pants, is that eccentric or what? Like I just, I cut them all out because your faith and mine is going to be the sum of everything we're hanging on to and everything we're willing to let go of. And so when somebody says something hurtful to me, I say like left pocket. I'm just like, I'm not going to hang that onto that. But when somebody says something that's worth remembering, I'm like, that's total right pocket stuff. So those little prompts, if that resonates with you, these things that remind you. So even for our listeners to be thinking about what are the, what are the triggers or the, or the rituals or the, the reminders that we can surround ourselves with to love in a more powerful way. I think that's, that's amazing. You know, the crazy part too, is that when I'm dead and gone, like those will be the things that my kids remember. They'll remember those. They'll get out my pants and go like, he had no left pockets. Any suit. I could get a thousand dollar suit. First thing, man, like cut that pocket out. Cause I just like, I want to just be that guy through and through. And you want to be the same on the surface that you are 30 feet down. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, one time you and I were, I don't know if you remember this, but one time uh, you and I were at an event and you were getting ready to be introduced for this banquet or something. And you were talking into your phone. You were, it looked like you were FaceTiming somebody or something and you, you got off your phone and I said, what were you doing? And you said, oh, I was encouraging a person. And I said, uh, are, were you FaceTiming them? You go, oh, no, no, I'm recording that. And I said, well, when are you going to send it to them? You go, oh, I'm not. Uh, and you were just recording it. So someday when they find it, they would have these videos of you blessing them and telling them uh, how much you love them and how much you believe in them. And I'll never forget that. And as a, as a wrap up, cause we're running out of time, 
I have a request, I guess. You know, there's all these people listening all over the world and they have different hopes and dreams and they they uh, maybe don't have Switzerland people or they, they haven't yet developed those those rituals for, for love. And what I'd love is if you'd be willing, I'd love to, to have, imagine if you could talk to all of us right now and tell us uh, just almost like, you know, that, that pat on the head, that blessing, you know, would you be up for speaking some words of encouragement to the audience? Yeah. Let me just, uh, tell you some truth, uh, that, uh, you are beloved. You're not the sum of all your successes. You're not all your mistakes. Uh, that when we mess up these, we have these things we don't want anybody to know. And if you could just actually own that to say that you're enough and sure you've got screw ups, but, but we see, God sees who we're turning into. And if you could let go of some of the stuff that's holding you back along the way and to say, who are the people God's already dropped into your life? I keep asking God for, you know, these big, uh, things and he keeps dropping all these beautiful friends in my life. Who are the people that are already been dropped into your life that are safe people that are Switzerland people that will speak truth to you. They're not just going to blow sunshine at you. Access some of those. Just go ahead and send them a message. Give them a call. Let them know, man, you know, the, the place you have in my life is really important and they won't know what to do with that. But what if you make that normative that on a day or two, if like somebody's gone through a hard time, that you're the one person they can count on to get a call from. Go watch Instagram for a whole year. You'll have everybody's birthday down. Huh. <laughs> I'll take, but that kind of intentionality to know everybody's anniversaries and birthdays and all that, to let them know, don't just say happy birthday, say, you know, this is why I'm glad you're alive. This is the impact you've made on my life. And then don't wait for people's birthday. Like, just say, like, I just want you to know this. I don't want you to have to guess about it anymore. Like, you have uh, launched me in these specific ways. I'll tell you, man, they will remember that forever. And it's not a parlor game. You do it because you want to be the person that expresses a genuine interest in the people around you. And then what will happen is your teams will grow. People will feel safe. You just turned yourself into Switzerland. And, uh, and then will you mess up? Of course you will. You're you. But don't, you don't need to camp out there to just say, go back to the people that you trust the most. Say, I think I messed up. Uh, put your hand on their head and say, will you give me a do-over on that? And there's something beautiful and authentic in that. And that's where we grow. I love that. Well, thank you, Bob, so much. You are such a gift. Uh, I just really value your time. And thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.